From Music City, USA, it's David Hooper and Music Business Radio. From Nashville, Tennessee, it's Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the music business. I'm David Hooper, your host, and with me today is the singer, songwriter, artist, and producer, Tony Luca. His new album, Made to Shine, available everywhere. Tony, welcome to Music Business Radio. My pleasure. Good to be here. You've done a lot over your career. People know you from voice, various other projects, but I want to start out with a song that exemplifies who is Tony Luca. You didn't bring a guitar, but being a radio station, we've got guitars. <laughs> and we happen to have this one here. It looks like it's signed by Robert Randolph, Bob Weir. I don't know if you can recognize any of these other signatures. Yeah. It's an Epiphone. Mm-hmm. We just pulled it out of, I guess, the giveaway pile, just <laughs> sitting out there. Had you tune it up before we rolled tape and uh, play something for us. All right. Uh, this one is, uh, yeah, this this one is called Smoke em, and It's just sort of a song where you just, it seems like there's a lot of hurry up and wait in the music business. <laughs> At least there has been for me. And uh, this was a song I wrote whilst waiting once upon a time. And so I sit here between the laps that I've been running Trying to catch my breath Without falling behind and There's a ticking To the clock hanging on the wall I hear it laughing Says I'm running out of time He says smoke them if you got them Drink to the bottom of another fine spirit, my friend Don't give up on love, it's bound to turn up again Another slow night against the sounds of the city Got me pacing back and forth in a straight line You've been calling And I do my best just to listen And all this distance Has got me out of my mind I Say smoke me if you got them Drink to the bottom of another fine spirit, my friend Don't give up on love It's bound to turn up again Easy come, easy go You never hear me say I told you so You might be certain but you'll never know For sure They say smoke me if you got them Drink to the bottom of another fine spirit, my friend Don't give up on love It's bound to turn up again don't give up on love, it's bound to turn up again. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Luca on Music Business Radio, the song Smoke 'em. That's off your self titled EP, which was actually a Kickstarter project. Later on in the episode, I'm going to talk about that because I think what you've done to cultivate a fan base, engage them, expand on them, and get them to give you money. (laughs) A lot of fascinating stories here. I want to take it back first to the beginning of the career. You're from Michigan, not normally thought of as a music business center. Were you always doing music? I was, you know, I mean, from the time that I remember, some of my earliest memories are are actually singing and and around the campfire and my folks both were musically inclined my mom in particular you know she was uh the 10th of 12 kids that all sang and or played something 
But my dad actually had a bit of talent as well. He's got a really gorgeous voice. Sounds a little bit like a working man's Vince Gill. <laughs> but he also learned to pick and play a little bit as well. So I, some of the very, very early steps that I took were just sitting down with him and learning to play, you know, and, and picking up his 1974 D35 and just feeling like I had <laughs> literally gold in my hand. You know, yeah, this, well, you did. I did. Those things literally. are worth a ton. Uh, yeah, so... So yeah, those those are the early days. You know, growing up in a big music family, of course, you know, get-togethers were just like big jam sessions, and it was definitely like osmosis that I was gonna. And you I know, mean, it was it was kind of clear earlier on that I that I was blessed to be a, a, a torchbearer of the family thing, you know. And I and I uh, I knew then, and I I still know now that that was uh, a tremendous blessing. Did you think it would be a career? You know, there were times early on when I I thought about different things like architecture or or sports or something. Uh, Fireman, the the typical (laughs) kid stuff. I'm going to be a lawyer and a doctor. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, but but no, I remember like when I was pretty young going into a guitar store, a music shop in Detroit, and just seeing like all the guitars hanging on the wall and just like really getting moved (laughs) on the molecular level. Like, holy cow, I want all all these guitars. I want them all. Right. You know, I, I would love. Well, how cool to be if this was like my my collection of guitars. From that point, like the, the you know the so called dream was was hatched. It's like wow, okay. So I would just I, I, from that point on, I just wanted to go see it live. I wanted to see people doing it in action, real live music being played, and fans and the audience and lights and never, all that. You know, you're listening to music business radio. You're backstage past the music business. Tony Luca is my guest today. You kind of had a. I guess a detour into acting. Would you say how would you describe your your acting career? Um, so more than a detour, but yeah, a lot of people was, know you from your acting. Yeah, it was kind of like a, it was like a party that I got invited to and was never asked to leave. <laughs> you know, like I auditioned for you know a TV show when I was young. I, I the all new Mickey Mouse Club and and I went in primarily as a singer initially, and that's what kind of got me through the door. But uh, you know on that show it was a bit of a variety show, so we had to dance sing and and act and so the acting kind of came along on that particular journey and I I fell in love with it I really enjoyed the collaborative process of film and television and and you know working on on location and a big crew and uh, directors and you know all, all the various players that that put you know put that whole world together it's it's a really cool environment to be in a real creative space but it you know, the auditioning actor thing is a whole nother gig, you know, like that I I just couldn't get with. I just right. felt like really powerless and really at the mercy of, of just so much more subjectivity. And and I just felt like creatively I, I had to have more to to say than, than someone else's words, I guess, you know. Because that's what the acting that you were doing was and what most actors do, I would imagine. You've got somebody writes a script and mm-hmm. you follow it. I, guess you make it your own kind of maybe you do right i mean you know like the, the really great actors you know you, you you never hear them deliver lines you never see them acting it's just that like you believe who they are on the screen and and again i wasn't that passionate about it strangely enough i was grateful for the work that i had but you know i was also getting a lot of auditions for similar things like the quarterback on the high school football team and this sort of thing and though that i'm not complaining <laughs> being typecast to be the hero but but after a while you know I literally was sitting in an audition waiting room to go in for this this quarterback role on you know some some TV series or whatever and there were like six other Tony Lucas just sitting there waiting to go in you know I mean on paper and headshot yeah. we're all kind of the same guy yeah. you know and I felt really faceless and 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 I and, and I just was like you know what I don't want this that bad you know so I left I left that audition didn't even go in signed out went back home picked up my guitar and just and literally wrote a song that day and was like you know what this is what I want to do now. it's so funny how you describe the six other Tony Lucas in there the kind of interchangeable yeah like you could change them out wouldn't even notice that mm-hmm. they were not there anymore I feel the same way with music sometimes. Yeah. How do you stand out as an artist? Or do you have any advice for upcoming artists how they could stand out? Yeah, man. You know, it's there's a lot of fine lines, plural. You know, like I think no matter what sort of facet or aspect of the business or your craft that you're considering, there's a lot of fine lines that you have to identify first and foremost, you know, and then figure out how close or how far away you're going to get to those. And I think 
with artistry, figuring out who you like to listen to that that resonates as an you know from artist to artist. You know, like I know that when I hear a song by Jeff Tweedy, it just it inspires me to like. I constantly ask myself, what would Tweedy do, <laughs> or what would Tom Petty do when I'm writing? And, and if you're listening to my my music, there might be aspects like, oh, that's so Petty, or that's that's so uh, Ray LaMontagne record, or a, a, a Wilco record. I think you you have to like tip your hat to your heroes, but you also have to, at the end of the day, say something unique and, and, and in a style and in a way that is as much yours as, as you can, you know, commit to. Is that how you learn songwriting by listening to other people? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely how I've honed the craft of songwriting. You know, I, I think everyone stumbles upon their first song somehow, and they're just like, "What the heck was that? That just happened. I don't, right. I don't know what that. Wow, I just, you know, I it just just came to me." And everyone will always say, "It just it just came to me." And I I think, you know, if we're gonna get onto like the supernatural level of talking songwriting, I I truly feel that songwriting is merely just you know treating yourself as a conduit <laughs> of of the higher power of well, the, I'm glad you're going yeah. there cuz I was going to go there next yeah is is that where you feel like songs come from they're like out there and you're maybe an antenna I really tuned do in? I really do uh, and and even and even down here in Nashville you know like where the co-writing culture is is really you know that that's that kind of takes the day down here where people schedule the writing and 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 early on I remember when I first got here I just I couldn't warm up to that notion it just seems so crazy in fact I remember the first time I had a co-write session here in Nashville I, I moved here for a while back in 2000 and uh, I had my first co-write you know and I think I was like 23 24 maybe and and this lady was going to come to my house you know and she's a middle-aged lady and I had this this strange lady coming to my okay, house that's a perfect time for us to break <laughs> when we come back we're going to get what happened when the strange lady came to your house because I do want to dive into that how we do things in Nashville is so different from what happens in L.A. or Detroit, Michigan, and you were spending a lot of time in Orlando. Tony Luca is my guest today. This is Music Business Radio, his latest album, Made to Shine, available wherever records are sold. More from Tony Luca when we come back on Music Business Radio. This is Fred James of Bluesland Productions, and if they'd had Music Business Radio in the late 40s and early 50s, Bullet Records and Excella would still have their masters today. You're listening to Music Business Radio. How long did you say you'd love me? Did forever take too long? If I held my breath, you'd be the death of me. You told me you'd always be there. Guess I must have hurt you wrong Cause if I held my breath You'd be the death of me You promised you'd never leave me But never seems to come and go You find yourself someone else I find myself all alone Begging, baby, tell me where have you gone? Yes, we just might be meant to be You just might come back home But if I held my breath You'd be the death of me Yeah Promise you never leave me will never seem to come and go You find yourself someone else I find myself all alone Begging darling won't you come back home How long do you say you love me? 
forever take too long If I held my breath You'd be the death of me If I held my breath You'd be the death of me This is Music Business Radio from Nashville, Tennessee. Tony Luca is my guest today. The song you just heard, Death of Me. It's off the album Canyon Songs, available wherever records are sold. Tony, let's talk about Nashville. That's where we are going in the last section. Yeah. You'd moved around, born in Michigan, spent some time in Orlando working for Disney, Los Angeles. You land in Nashville, and we do things a little bit different here as far as songwriting. You've got a <laughs> middle-aged woman showing up at your house. <laughs> yeah. What happens next? Well, you know, like, it was just interesting to me. Like, okay, well, that means that I've got to, like, straighten up, obviously, tidy up. And i <laughs> I got to make a pot of coffee and offer her something to, to eat. I don't know. How does this go? How does this work, you know? So by the time we had had some coffee and some small talk, and I had shown her a couple of ideas, and she wanted to hear maybe, like, something recent, so I played her a, a song, and thought I should play her the whole thing and you know, just kind of offered it all up and she wanted to know if there was something maybe I had started that I hadn't finished and I think I pulled something out and and before I knew it she was like looking at her watch saying she had she had a two o'clock I was like wait what it's, it's like mean, your psychiatrist right sorry like, time's you up you got a two o'clock what are you talking about <laughs> this is nonsense I I'm not buying this man there's no way people operate like this you know and then you get down here and you realize yeah man some people do a, you know a ten o'clock a two o'clock and a five o'clock so yeah I finally found my rhythm and my pace but I think I was getting to the point of we were talking about the mystical side of songwriting and and you kind of use the word antenna which I think is is really kind of what it is. And even when you do schedule time to write, basically you're scheduling time to turn the antenna on and open yourself to what's what's right. out there and what's what's going to serve the uh, the session that day. And uh, it's, a, it's just a really cool, exciting process to me. There's a great quote. Have you ever read War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? No. So the author, Stephen Pressfield, super smart guy, wrote a movie called Bagger Vance. He says, I write only when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at 9 a.m. Because that's when he sits down to write. <laughs> yeah. so, same thing with Nashville. That's, yeah. You set these appointments up and you only had an hour. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I've, I've always said this about Nashville, you know, that, that even with the influx of all the people that have moved here, and maybe we'll get into that as well, but, but uh, you know, fortunately, Nashville, if nothing else, is a very efficient town, you know, like, especially on the songwriting front. You know, you, you you sit down with a, another writer. You kind of decide what or who you're you're going to write for, what the intention behind it is, and that's it, man. It's like all systems go. You write that song that day and that morning, and and I like that about it because it requires that. You know, from a creative standpoint, uh, that's what it is. That's what it becomes, and that's uh, I like that. Sometimes I think limitations can actually help your creativity. Mm-hmm. For example, if I were to say, I've got some bricks here and I need you to do something with them, but you can't use them to weight anything down and you can't use them to hit anything. You're going to think of interesting uses for those bricks yeah, by that's, that's, having those limitations. That's when genius strikes, you know, right, for sure. Right. For yeah. Sure. And sometimes I, I think they talk about the, you know, time expanding to the amount of time that you have mm-hmm. Parkinson's law, they call it. Okay. And that when you limit the time, it kind of, Makes your work a little bit tougher. Yeah, but I mean, at I the same time, I think you've you've got to ease into it though. And it sounds like that maybe this was kind of a shock for you. Did you ease into it relatively quickly? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you you go through the a phase of uh, a lot of unfinished songs and sessions, you know, which which will ruin the rest of your day if you let it. <laughs> like, there's nothing really more. Uh, you know, uh, unsatisfying as, as going to a co-write and, the, and you just kind of walk away empty-handed or, or something half-baked and act like you're going to get back and revisit it at the point. You, you never do. You rarely do. Well, Sometimes like you do. But. Quality versus quantity. I well, would imagine it 
can sometimes feel like a, a day job. Like yeah, no, and I, I think that's true too. And I, I think that that was nice for me to see as well. A lot of guys in town that they have their limitations and and they're they're comfortably in place. You know, some guys they just come five o'clock, they turn it off and they go home to their house where there is no guitar, there's no studio, there's no way to kind of exercise this thing and let it trickle. They just shut it off, and that's. That's pretty admirable. I mean, I, do you house, do that? My house is a little different. No, I, I, I've, you, you've you got know. that line of guitars like the guitar <laughs> store. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, but I, I, one is within steps at any time. You know, I feel like I'm still in awe of the gift of songwriting, and I never know quite when it's gonna hit, and I don't want to keep it out out of my house. But you know, after a while, you know, and I think. The large part of songwriting is identifying what your wheelhouse is, what your strength is, and bringing that to the table consistently every time and, and knowing and being clear about that with your co-writers and letting them know uh, before it takes two or three hours to fish out or come to realize, like, yeah, I'm just, I don't have the strongest falsetto, you know, so maybe this song, you know, like, you, you got to just come, come clean with it right out the gate. And that, like you said, the, the less you have, the more you know. You're listening to Music Business Radio. Tony Luca is my guest today, Made to Shine. His latest album available everywhere, wherever records are sold. As a creative person, did the business part of the music business kind of kill that or put a damper into those dreams that you had as a kid growing up? Yeah, I mean, my my dream, I, I guess, going back to what I was looking forward to doing as an adult, I guess, you know, was... I was a vinyl kid, you know, like mow lawn, save money, spend on records and go buy the vinyl, bring it back, pop it on and play it top to bottom, flip it over top to bottom, staring at, at you know, the big the big jacket. of Got the of whole experience. And, yeah, man. And just stare at every last, you know, shadow of these pictures and right. you know, just really absorb the mood and the vibe of an album. Um and I, I, I grew up with the dream of making albums. I wanted to, you know, like I love to write song one side B. You know, what would that? Oh, this would be a perfect side B, kickoff side B. You know, who does that anymore? Or the yeah. to really taking pride in a deep cut. You know, yeah. or, or you know, like that's cool to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and but yeah, as I got to the age and it got to that point in my career where it was time to start making records. That art form had had sort of long was was starting to disappear. You know, everything went to the cassette, which was still a similar format in terms of side A, side B. But then this compact disc came along, and it was like, where'd that side B go? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Uh, which is and, fine. And then downloads where you don't even have the full album. Exactly. So I uh, still like CDs. I was fine with because it was still similar, a physical format thing. But then the MP3, I just remember like when that writing was on the wall, I shook. You know, like. In my boots, literally, no, I refuse to believe that this is where it's heading. I can't believe this is where it's going. Because it just seemed inevitable that if you could take a little lighter size player and load it with hundreds of songs, if not thousands of songs, why bother with the cumbersome concept of an album when you just load it with songs, make your own radio station, make your own mixtapes or whatever. And, and, um, and sure enough, that's, that's kind of where it went. I love to see the vinyls making a return. You know, I, I, I think that's great, you know, because again, as an art form, it's one of my favorite. So we'll, we'll see, you know, I think the jury's still out, but yeah, learning how to move and evolve and, and grow along with the business or, 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 you know, dig in and go the other way and do it, with a clear conscience, you know, some people still still do that as well. Well, you've certainly done that. When we come back, we're going to be talking about major television exposure. We're going to be talking about internet exposure, fan funding, some good stuff for independent artists for sure. I want to go out with one more since we've got the guitar here. Pick something. Cool. Uh, well, I guess while we're talking about the old and the new, this is a song that was actually off of the album before Made to Shine, the the, the self titled Rock anthem record. This one's called Old Girl. So I took my time Then you told me to wait Met every last deadline Now you tell me I'm too late Swim myself in seas now you're saying there's eight Tell me to take your word for it I'll never take the bait Or get caught on the line One more time somebody else always making the call 
Take a mean sledgehammer and an eight ball Smashing every record hanging on your wall Said, oh girl, got a mean reputation Every last word is true Never could read the writing on the wall Said, out with the old and with the new Always want more Till you wind up dead, brother On the bathroom floor It's good to let things breathe Find out what's at stake Which rule gonna bend and Which one break Or get caught on the line One more time somebody else Always keeping score Swing a mean sledgehammer and an eight ball all the games we ain't gonna play no more Say, old girl got a mean reputation Every last word's true Never could read the writing on the wall Set out with the old and with the new on Music Business Radio. More from Tony when we come back. Hey, this is Tess Rogers. I'm an intern for Best Built Songs this summer, and I've learned more listening to Music Business Radio than I have in four years of college. Music Business Radio, on the web at musicbusinessradio.com. Black raven flying tonight through the cold winds blowing in your lover's eyes You know the trouble goes down before the morning light She got gold in her pocket, a knife in her hand Running through the desert with the killing man Daddy's still driving the home She can hide in your mind She can set you on fire Like a ghost on her side Yeah, she's a ghost in the mirror When you love, you see her Bring the roses, bring the wine When the lights go She can hide in your mind 
She can set you on fire Like the Lord's on her side When the lights go out When the lights go out She's raging on When the lights go out Yeah, the lights go out She's raging on Tony Luca on Music Business Radio. The song Delilah from the Sun Studio Sessions. Tony's with me today. You actually went down to Memphis, recorded that in the Sun Studios. That is the name of the album, Sun Studio Sessions, and you're not lying. Yeah, that uh, it was the most recent EP. Um, after the self-titled album and touring to promote that like crazy, and then following that up with the Made to Shine Kickstarter project, which we can get into, I was kind of like... I don't say burned out on the album cycle thing, you know, where you're writing, recording, yeah. promoting, touring, one body of music. I felt like I'd been doing that for quite some time, at least, you know, post-voice. The idea of jumping back into that, diving back into another body of work and another narrative and another thing, I just wasn't wasn't up for that. So I um, decided to kind of look back and do a little retrospective kind of thing and look at some of the recordings that I have just sort of sitting in the vault, as it were, and decided to do a series of session EPs this year. First one was taken from songs that were recorded for the PBS series uh, Sun Studio Sessions. And we called this one Sessions Volume 1, Sun Studio. <laughs> Not to get the session thing all mixed up in there. But uh, then we're going to put out uh, later on this year, um, soon I suppose, the Volume 2, Sessions Volume 2, Muscle Shoals. Oh yeah. From uh, I was down in Muscle Shoals about 10 years ago. Did you go to fame? And I was down there, yeah, sitting down in front of a microphone there and recording a bunch of tunes on the piano that yeah. Aretha played and uh, and just got a bunch of work tapes from there. And I was like, you know what? I nice. have some fans that might dig these. And so that'll be Volume 2, all sort of culminating up to the 10-year anniversary of uh, an album called Canyon Songs that I, I, I did. I think back to the time when Memphis was a huge force in the music business, Muscle Shoals as well, completely different, like we've been talking about, from how things are now. One of the things that's happening now that you participated in, a show called The Voice. Mm-hmm. You'd had a television background from your work with Disney. You kind of knew what you were getting into, I would imagine. What was that experience like? I'm curious, wh- why did you do it? I did it because curiosity, I think, more than anything. But truth be told, like I think I was only eligible for the first few seasons of Vital, age-wise. But more importantly, I had already done some professional things, and I know that that was uh, sort of a, you know, a no-go for for Idol. Whereas in the Voices case, they were like, no, we want the people that have been at this. We want established and emerging artists to kind of come out of the shadows and celebrate them and and i said okay cool that i my story's kind of interesting maybe i you know like and i yeah you knew christina aguilera right? and that was the other thing that's kind of weird the, the fact that like you know having had worked with christina back in the day it was like that was kind of nagging on me it's like man i gotta know like what would happen well how would that pan out would she yeah would she recognize my voice would she know me would she want to work with me could this be like the you know fast track to yeah. the next stage of my career i don't know but I was in between projects at the time, and and I just kind of had this overwhelming notion that why not? Like really, why 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 not? If at the very least it would just help sort of break through this sort of glass ceiling that I w- had found myself as a DIY indie guy, you know, like pounding the pavement coast to coast, playing to the same you know seventy five to one hundred fifty people in every market, but just not getting that three to five hundred ticket sale kind of status. And and then the show the show kind of did just that in the end, you know, it really did sort of catapult me just enough into that direction. You were ready for the experience, though. I know a lot of the guys on American Idol that come up maybe it's because they're so young or who knows why but they completely miss the opportunity of that kind of exposure they don't have a website don't have a mailing list mm-hmm. you've been on the internet for a long long time <laughs> yeah man uh it was all definitely familiar terrain 
you know, going into a big soundstage and 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 seeing a studio audience and and you know knowing what camera blocking means and knowing what you know knowing what what, what all these variables are. There was no, I was never in the dark at any moment in that whole process, except for when you know, like in reality TV, they try to keep things from the contestants, so just the element of surprise. But other than that, man, I knew exactly how that whole machine moves and 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 what the moving parts were and um definitely a leg up you know and and that stems from again having uh kind of grown up in that environment earlier uh when i was doing the whole mickey mouse club thing you know that was that was boot camp for the music business quite but, but i think but but thinking beyond that though the fact if if somebody searched for tony luca they're they were going to find you it wasn't like you were some kind of sure phantom that they couldn't connect with outside of the voice exactly they've continued to support you probably a a lot of them based from that exposure oh yeah yeah and you know what was interesting was that after the voice and went back out and hit the road to kind of uh, you know not go get bogged down in the studio and disappear after this little you know 15 minutes of fame so to speak you know but instead get right back out there book a national tour which i was doing prior to the voice so it was just a matter of getting talent buyers and promoters be like well heck yeah come on back through and let's sell the place out now and so that's what happened you know, i went back out and did what i you know my manager at the time was like let's just call it a victory lap you know go out say thanks to everybody really you know i mean that was a big deal yeah and to get to go say thanks like that in person was a big deal but what I thought was interesting was it wasn't so many, so much of like new fans that were coming out. It was like all the old fans, like people yeah. that had been over the last 15, 20 years that had been tuning in and maybe fell off a few albums ago. Like they all came out to say how proud and excited they were. And, and that man, there's nothing quite like Just that. Energized. That felt fantastic. Guys, yeah. yeah. You're listening to Music Business Radio, your backstage pass in the music business. Tony Luca is with me today. Made to Shine is his latest album. When we come back, Going to make Tony pick up that guitar off the wall again, play something for us. More from Tony when we come back on Music Business Radio. Hi, my name is Doyle Davis, and I'm co-owner of Grimey's new and pre-loved music. Also just started a record label called Out of Sight Records. And you're listening to Music Business Radio. You're listening to Music Business Radio on the web at musicbusinessradio.com. Hi, this is Buzz Casey, and you're listening to Music Business Radio. And I'm the guy who co-wrote the song that got played six million times on radio. And in the true hillbilly fashion, I spent it all. Welcome back to Music Business Radio. From Nashville, Tennessee, it's Music Business Radio, your backstage pass to the music business. Tony Luca is with me today, Made to Shine. It's his latest album. It is available everywhere. You've also got a very exciting project that kind of morphed into two exciting projects, thanks to Kickstarter. Yeah. I, uh, let, let, let's explain what Kickstarter is. I mean, maybe somebody doesn't know. How, how would you describe well, it? Well, yeah, for anyone that, that's out there who cares, maybe you've heard of it or heard about it, but you just never really participated in one, Kickstarter is, is ultimately a crowdfunding platform for creators that are creating projects. You know, whether it's uh, you're trying to get some a, a new invention off the ground or, in most musicians' cases, their next album. And you reach out to your fans and friends and social media networks to, to raise as much money as you can for your project. But obviously, in return for that, you have to create a list of premiums and rewards to incentivize people and, and uh, get them in at different levels of participation. And you got to make good on on your rewards. So at the very basic level, it's buying an album in advance before it's recorded. If, yeah, if you're if you're an artist and you're not offering that as like your base <laughs> reward, then then you're kind of getting That's, a little stingy. <laughs> that gets you in the game, but but you took it to a whole nother level, and I, I, I think that what you've done is amazing. So I'm going to have you talk about. Thanks, that. man. Yeah, I, I uh, one of the rewards that, that I offered was an original song. So you know you could write me an email about something you'd like to you know immortalize in in music in a song, and and I do my best take a stab at it and uh nine songs later you know i was like wow you know i had some some really enthusiastic fans that were just like oh my god that's exactly what i would love to walk away from this thing with and so yeah a couple of them were nice and easy light and light and fluffy it's like oh this will be fun and then a couple of them were like oh my god what did i get myself into this is intense i oh you know i mean 
loss of life, loved ones, that kind of thing. And he's like, oh, man, shoot, what did I do? It can't just be a jingle. You can't just, I can't yeah. phone this. This isn't going to be a voice memo <laughs> thing. I'm going to have to, like, write it and maybe do a nice So my intention was to, at the very least, write these songs, do at least a nice garage band recording with no distortion. <laughs> like, here you go. Here's your song. Thank you. But what I found was I was taking increasingly more and more pride in, in these songs, and I'm really enjoying the process of stepping out of my own drama, my own narrative, and and just really diving into someone else's and bringing it to life. And so, yeah, I was sitting there going like, I should put these songs together in an album and record it and put it out and let let the world hear these people's stories. And, you know. (laughs) And you did. And I did. So um, so I I went in, recorded these songs. I gave everybody that that, that contributed uh, like 10% of the publishing and writing, you know, on it and shared the credit just because, I thought that that was appropriate. It seemed seemed like the karmic way of keeping my side of the street clean, but it was also legit. Like these people, you know, even if it was just part of a phrase from a line from their email, I didn't write that, and I put that in yeah. the song and cherry picked like some, some key phrases, and so it was really cool. And, and, and these people, none of them knowing what writing or publishing, you know, <laughs> percentages even would would entail or, or amount to. Yeah. Uh, I, I also said to them, hey, if you don't know what this could be and you want to maybe pay this lottery ticket <laughs> forward, should it should you cash it in? I have a nonprofit that could use any sort of uh, future potential income, uh, and and would you be down to to pay it forward to that as an option? And 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 they all said yes. So, uh, nonprofit that my wife and some friends of ours from Louisiana and and uh, my manager at the time we we started this thing called the Mile, which is the Music Is Love Exchange, and it's uh, basically you know bringing music and music lovers to to uh, to help serve the the underserved and 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 um, um, we we take trips to Guatemala every year and do relief work and it's really cool and and something that that you know when you're trying to get something like that off the ground you, you sort of think about like how else can we sort of serve this thing and and that opportunity just popped up and I thought well this would be kind of cool so sure enough you know one of the songs from the record wound up on Sirius XM the Coffee House and they spin the heck out of it and I'm like wow <laughs> this is just like win 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 <laughs> you know and I I felt I felt really proud and really excited about about all these different aspects of what I've been chipping away at finally coming together under one one umbrella. So we've got the Epiphone guitar that's been making an appearance here on Music Business Radio. Yeah. Signed by Robert Randolph, Bob Weir. It's got some famous people that have signed it. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't bring your guitar. We just pick a guitar off. Oh man, I know. Yeah, you can't you can't get away from it, especially a guy like you. You're on the road all the time. We yeah. gotta see what you can do live. Yeah. Do you have a song from this project that you'd be open to playing? I do, yeah. This is a song called Mother's Love and Heart, and this was commissioned, I guess, uh, by a guy who uh, had been trying, he and his wife had been trying for a long time to get pregnant, and it wasn't happening. And then finally, they did. After a couple years, they got they got pregnant, and he wanted to write, have a song written for her uh, to say, like, thanks, <laughs> you know, I guess, for for, you know, for being a great mom, and, and uh, but more more so, like, mothers in general, like, just how awesome it is that there are mothers, and that, that they are, that they are the, the real... Uh, champions of the household and so uh yeah this was the song that came of it called mother's love and heart they say patience is a virtue and good things come to those who wait well, baby i ain't going anywhere see i got all the time it takes set forever for heaven's sakes but oh nothing oh nothing could compare You're the one that makes it possible You're the only one who holds the keys here Gonna share this miracle with me Well, she might have my eyes He might have my temper Either way, I pray to get their mother's loving heart I'll try to impart Best I got right from the start But nothing plays a part Like a mother's loving heart Forever humbled by your strength I'm inspired by the joy you bring And all the courage you have shown You see, mother bears the burden Mother bears the weight 
mother bears the child all alone. You see, you're the one that makes it possible. You're the only one who holds the key. Say you're gonna share this miracle with me. Well, she might have my eyes. He might have my temper. Either way, I pray to get their mother's loving heart. I'll try to impart the best I got right from the start. Nothing plays a part like a mother's loving heart. You're the only one who holds the key. Say you're gonna share this miracle with me. Yeah, she might have my eyes, and he might have my temper. Either way, I pray to get their mother's loving heart. I'll try to impart the best I got right from the start. Nothing plays a part like a mother's loving heart. And nothing plays a part like a mother's loving heart. Nothing plays a part like a mother's loving heart. Tony Luca on Music Business Radio, the song Mother's Love and Heart. I think it's so cool how you were inspired by your audience. You know this from performing live, that it's not just you. The audience is a part of that performance as well. And now you're taking that to the next level by making them part of your songwriting, the creation process, not just the performance process. Yeah, I mean, the, you asked to sort of expand upon what Kickstarter is. And like you said, the bare bones structure of it is that. It's a crowdfunding platform. But what, it, what you learn, I guess, once you get into it is that it can be so much more than just the money. And the money is obviously the vehicle to get you to where you're going and what you want to work on and make and produce. But as a portal for connecting to fans, man... It's really something. There's actually another crowdfunding platform out there that I'm a huge proponent of, and that's Patreon. Patreon Patreon.com. And you've done that before as well? P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I've been a patron content creator for over two and a half years now. And that is basically Kickstarter for the ongoing creator. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a telethon for like NPT or NPR. I, can, yeah, I consider drives. a Patreon, I consider that like an NPR subscription. You yeah. know, so say you're a fan of a podcast and, you, you know, like how does the podcast get, you know, they get their ad revenues here and there. If you're a YouTuber, you can monetize through YouTube, but it's pennies, let's be honest, you know, and, and the cost of doing a high def video cover a month is, it gets expensive and, and, you don't have a day job if that's what you're doing all the time. So you need a, a revenue source, and Patreon is like that. Um, and so, yeah, I created this thing called the Duty Free Rockstar Extravaganza, simply because I'm into the brevity thing, you know, like, like that. <laughs> but it's it's basically <laughs> like a, uh, an inside look at what I do from the songwriting process to the, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is from the road, because let's be honest, like that's... That's just like low-hanging fruit to just keep your camera running the whole time when you're on the road. There's just plenty of shenanigans and things to share that fans love to see. Yeah, the Duty Free Rockstar extravaganza is my little uh, contribution to the Patreon world. And that is where, I, I mean, I'm, you establish your core fan base, but then you really develop an exchange with them. Because just like Kickstarter, there's monthly rewards that go into that. You know, like these certain, you get in a certain amount per video that I post each month, you're going to get this access and this, this, this reward. And working with these people, you know, f- asking them for, give me a phrase and I'll pick my favorite three and you guys vote from there and I'll take that phrase and I'll write a song and put it on my next record. Yeah. And they just eat that up and I eat that up because it's like, it becomes this really cool collaboration that goes way beyond the financial revenue. And to to get people to feel like they own, not in a literal sense, but just take ownership of your career and your creation makes them just so much more attached to them. I've seen artists do it with album covers. Where do you want me to play next? There's so many 
different ways that you can go on it. And, and it's huge, not just for the money, like you said. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I've tried to take pride in, in trying to keep my ear close to the pulse of those things because the business, especially this day, day and age where there's just so much change, so much growth, so many things, so much expansion of social media. There's another uh, company called Archiver, uh, A-R-C-I-V-R. And uh, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to take you know what's currently going on with like facebook and and twitter and instagram where now there's all these algorithms that are keeping you from the, the latest news of your favorite artists like which is insane so you know archive is kind of trying to take this approach to where like they want to create that sort of more one-on-one thing if you're actually a fan of this artist you want to hear their updates you want to see their pictures you want exclusive content oh and you'll get the notif- notices when they post to facebook or instagram or twitter but like hey here's a hub here's a thing and and so um you know I've, I've been doing some work with them and promoting a lot of what they're doing and just trying to find that way of like i said just really keeping that connection with your fans and doing it in a legitimate way where you're just not posting all the time and and you're just not like over exhausting hashtags <laughs> like yeah. it's just like, look it, at me look at me right look at me. you know selfies here selfies if I, if I see another like you know instagram <laughs> post of someone filming wave files on a pro tools session you come on, okay so you're in the studio let's hear the music <laughs> you know or or a picture of like a u187 microphone and like another day at the office it's like okay I get it. You, you're you're a recording artist. <laughs> you're on the road constantly, so anybody listening can get the same experience that I've had today of watching you play. How can people find out where you are, where you're playing? Yeah, man, I got uh, TonyLuca.com has been as coming up on. 20 years, man. 1998 is when I found it. TonyLuca.com. So that, I mean, that goes back. Early like, adopter. That's like, you know, Earthlink and AOL and I mean, Prodigy. Come on, you know. It's a web crawler, you know. Like You've I, got mail. Exactly, you know. And so uh, I, I'm pretty excited about that that uh, that tenure. But um, TonyLuca.com is alive and well. You know, the Facebook, Bands in Town, Instagram, Twitter. Everywhere. Everywhere I'm out there. I go by at LucaDoes on Twitter and Instagram just because I thought there was a funny third-person aspect to telling people what I'm doing all the time. I think all <laughs> independent artists, everybody who's in the music business needs to look at what you're doing with Patreon, needs to look at what you're doing with Kickstarter because it's a model that can really change careers. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that because uh, the one thing about like longevity, I guess, and I remember I, I got to listen to Charlie Peacock give a talk one time about longevity, and it was, it was like a TED Talk kind of thing, you know? And it was like he could have gone on for hours, but, you know, I just was so intrigued by it. But he, and he reiterated the same thing, you know? Like there's, there's aspects of diversity that you have to you have to tap into eventually these days, you know, like it's, especially if you're doing the independent DIY thing, you know, it's, it's like, you got to learn how to wear the other hats. You've got to like step out of your comfort zone frequently, you know, all the while establishing your wheelhouse and knowing what your strengths are and what you're good at and what, what your best foot forward is. But, uh, it doesn't get dull if you don't let it. <laughs> yeah. Tony, thanks for being here on music business radio, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a real treat. Thanks for listening. For more from us, including exclusive content, go to musicbusinessradio.com. We'll see you next week when I'll interview another industry guest. Thanks for listening to Music Business Radio, a production of TuneIn Broadcasting Incorporated, Nashville, Tennessee. Recorded in the WRLT Lightning 100 Studios. Music Business Radio is produced by Gary Crane, David Hooper, and Dan Buckley. Special technical assistance by Tom Hansen with Pro Tools post-production by Guy Fell. And Lester Fix the Chairs. All of them. For syndication information, guest booking, demo derby music, or downloading previous episodes, visit musicbusinessradio.com. Music Business Radio